0: Welcome to Church Matters and hello to you, Janet Plenart. Hello, Dan. Are you ready to talk about the church at home across the street and around the world?
1: Yes, but my choice would be to talk about the church around the world today.
0: That would be a good choice because we have with us today Daniel Pantoja, Mennonite Church Canada peace builder in the southern Philippines. We're going to introduce him in just a few moments. What biblical words of inspiration can you share with us today?
1: What seems appropriate today is Romans 12, verses 4 to 18. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all.
0: Thanks, Janet. Daniel will join us for part one of this two-part episode to talk about why the church matters in Philippines.
1: Originally from the Philippines, Daniel discovered Anabaptist peace theology while working and studying in Canada. Daniel and his wife Joji are passionate about conflict resolution and bringing people together in and for peace. He's currently working with groups involved in a land dispute in the Mindanao region of Philippines. Thanks for joining us today, Daniel.
2: Thank
0: you, Janet. Good to be here. Daniel, the last time we had you on the program in 2007, you were just getting ready to leave for your assignment in Mindanao. Now, that's where a land conflict between indigenous people, Bank, Samora Muslims, and Christians is occurring with periods of military intervention, and it's been going on for some years. Can you briefly catch us up on what has happened there in the last three years?
2: What has happened is that the people who are involved in conflict have embraced us to walk with them. Basically, the biggest thing that happened is that they invited us to walk with them, to listen, to understand their perspective. In fact, there were times when we thought we know what to say, and then they told us, been there, done that. It didn't work. They have no ideas, Then, Finally, we kind of were desperate. So we say, can we have coffee? And then by listening, we found out that they have so much ideas on how to solve their own problems. And that's when we learn more. And by telling them back what they have been telling us, we walk together.
1: When you say they and the people involved in the conflict, can you give us a brief description of who the sides are in this conflict and what the conflict is about?
2: The first side are the majority Christians who came to the island of Mindanao, and they are the call, They are called Christian migrants. And they are now the majority people in Mindanao by, you know, legalizing the takeover of the Christians of the a land of the muslims the muslims are are called bangsa moro they are the native of the al- islands and uh, so this is between the christian migrants and the bangsa moro natives
1: there have been a number of very interesting successes as well as some setbacks in your work there what has worked well you talk about listening but give us some more stories about that and what has not worked
2: okay the first thing was that i'll continue with that thing that did not work. You know, when we have this degree in conflict transformation and we, we, tell, we told them uh, what we know and they said, been there, done that. So what happened was that they told us, the first thing is relationship building. You don't tell us concepts. You share relationships and relationship building because that's how peace translates um, into communication, into bridging, into actual negotiation. Negotiation happens best when it's beyond mere concepts, but because of relationships.
0: You're dealing, Daniel, with people groups that do not necessarily share similar cultures or faith beliefs, What's your sense? Are people catching the vision that peace through dialogue and negotiation, peace done the way Jesus has taught? Is that realistic for them?
2: Yes. Actually, at first, I was kind of very careful to the point that it's not too clear from the Muslims what kind of salam or shalom I was telling. Finally, one Muslim scholar uh, told me, you better state exactly what? Peace means uh, from Jesus' point of view. So Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the starting point of our understanding of shalom, of peace. It means harmony with God, harmony with ourselves, harmony with others, and harmony with God's creation. Very holistic. And at the center of these four harmonies is Jesus Christ. The Muslims like that. Now we know exactly where you're coming from. Now there can be true dialogue because we know where you're coming from.
1: Now, Dan, you described one side of this conflict as, in fact, a Christian majority of the population. Yes. Presumably the Christians would understand uh, this kind of a peace theology to some degree. How do you work with the Christians who are in conflict when you're trying to teach the peace theology?
2: Yes, we start with the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, the cross have been misperceived or misunderstood by both Christians and Muslims, a symbol of conquest, like the handle of a sword. Either you follow Jesus or we'll conquer you. Or in most cases, we'll do both. We'll conquer you and you'll follow Jesus. And the Muslims said... If that is Christianity, we don't want it. So we have to talk to our bishops uh, in the church, in the Christian churches. What do we really mean by peace? And finally, we have understood that we have been preaching Jesus as the King of kings, the triumphant Lord, Lord of lords. And, you know, those language are true and biblical, but have been misused by the politicians and power grabbers ha that's good flag jesus is a good flag a good symbol for imperialism and colonialism and that's what happened and we have to correct ourselves that christians and christianity and jesus have been misused perhaps abused by the power uh, hungry people claiming to be Christians.
1: So in a sense, you're calling the church to conversion, to its Amen. own scripture.
2: that's right. It's like saying this Jesus that we follow and we proclaim is really the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but it's not an excuse for domi- domination. In fact, this Lord of Lords and King of Kings is the Prince of Peace, and Jesus is the personified, humble, loving, meek Jesus. And I think we have to emphasize the Jesus who is loving, meek, gracious, merciful, forgiving. And you know, this is very important because the first verse in the Quran says, in the name of God, the most gracious, the most merciful, when they hear us that Jesus is, Is gracious, merciful, then you will see their eyes glowing and say, Say that again? And you know what happens when that, when mercy, God's mercy and God's grace is the focus of dialogue between Muslims and Christians. So now you've
0: already segued into my next question. I can imagine it's a big job to reinterpret and reapply. Uh, this kind of theology among Christians, how is it received by the non-Christians in the conflict?
2: The non-Christians are surprised that they are hearing, somehow, from their words, a different gospel—a gospel that is not guarded by armed, uh, by armies and navies and marines. You know. Uh, I was uh, told by an elder among the Bangsa Moros, the Spanish uh, colonial powers came with their big armada, right, the big boat. And the first group who got off from the boats were the soldiers. And then the colonial administrators. And guess who's the third who got off the boat? The friars, the priests, the missionaries. And so their perspective of, of, of Christianity is that they have to be guarded by the military. When the Americans came, the same process. So now here we come and say, hi, we are here to love you, to be your servant, to serve you in the name of Jesus. And the first thing they ask is, where's the military escort? And we say, no, none. We are here protected by God. Then they say, aha, you really believe what you say, and that is respect.
1: There's a lot of echoes here to Latin American colonization and yes. the way the gospel was introduced in Latin America. Are there learnings that are coming from the history in Latin America?
2: Oh, yes. We're learning a lot from the Experience of the Latin American church in terms of reading the Bible from the perspective of peace and justice. And we're praying that the church in the Philippines would follow the lordship of this Jesus Christ who is the prince of peace and the justice that Jesus Christ paid by his own life. This sounds like
0: difficult work that you're doing, Daniel. What inspires you to keep at it?
2: The reality that in Christ we are given a new creation. We are entering the not yet, the future that is a new reality where peace, justice, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, Long-suffering and the rest of the fruit of the Spirit will be a reality and is already a reality. You know what the theologian says, not yet, but already. And we are in the midst of that. That's exciting. For me, you know, it's exciting to be bringing in, to be ushering, to be an agent of God's reign in justice and peace. So what's next
0: in this process? Are you setting the stage for a next phase, or is that already premature?
2: I am not setting a stage. In fact, it's just like God sends the waves, I surf. You know? (laughs) We don't create the waves. We wait for God's waves, then we surf. But we have to learn to balance in the meantime, right? And so that's what God is doing. God is sending waves of justice and peace and love in Christ in the Philippines. And the Muslims and the indigenous people are saying, we haven't heard about this. Wow. And we are in real good, genuine, open heart, open mind dialogue with people outside the Christian faith.
1: Daniel, our time is up for today. Thanks so much for being here with us. We look forward to our second episode.
2: Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Dan.
0: Our guest today has been Daniel Pantoja, Mennonite Church Canada ministry worker in the southern Philippines island of Mindanao.
1: Thanks to all of our listeners in radio and podcast land. We'd love to hear what you think about this program. If you subscribe to our Church Matters podcast on iTunes, please write a review about this or any episode. You can also help keep Daniel Pantoja and people like him sharing God's good news of peace in the Philippines. You can give over the phone, through mail, in person, or online. Call us toll-free at 1-866-888-6785 or email churchmatters at mennonitechurch.ca. My name is Janet Plennert.
0: And I'm Dan Dick. Our podcasts sometimes include more good stuff than we have time for on the radio. You can find longer versions on iTunes and other popular podcast providers. You've been listening to Church Matters, where our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Tune in wherever you are, and thanks for listening. See you next time.
2: As you go out from here